Now is it ready? Am I on? Yeah, there we go. It wasn't ready earlier, I don't think. Or at least I don't know it was. Cool. Well, let's dive into the Word of God. We're in our series about King David. And uh, we've been learning about how King David was a man after God's own heart. We've been studying his life, and we've been studying his psalms. Why do we keep turning to the psalms so much? The reason why is because out of the abundance of the heart, what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you look at the psalms, you find out what's going on in David's heart, don't you? The psalms are David's worship songs to God. They're his personal worship songs. They're, it's like we're reading his prayer journal. It's like we've found this hidden stash secrets that made David who he is. And so we want to know what made David a man after God's own heart? Why was he different? How is it that he fulfilled the call of God in his life? And we want to be like David. As we're ultimately learning to be like Jesus, we want to follow in the footsteps of King David. And so, of course, we've been going through the the narrative of his life, and we'll get back. We'll do some more in the narrative of his life in the next couple weeks. But we've been turning to the Psalms a lot to know what's going on in his heart. How did he think? How did he feel? How did he respond to God? What did, he, what, what did he think about God? And so most of what we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks is the faith that David had. That David believed and knew who God was and believed the covenant he had with God. And he cultivated that faith by being in the Word. By being a man who was in the Word. But today I want to talk to you about David's love for God's presence. Look with me in Psalm 26. And specifically, I'm going to title this uh, message, I'm not like a big title person, but I want to talk to you about David's secret. See, David, there was something that David knew that many people didn't know. And you, you'll, you'll notice that oftentimes when I talk about David, I talk about things that David did and David knew that other people didn't do. He was different in his generation. But there was something that, I'm not using the word secret to be like, I don't know, uh, popular or, ooh, like a cool word, like secret. Like just throw the word secret onto something and it sounds cool, right? No, no, really, David had a secret. David knew a secret. Not something that he wanted it to be, remain a secret, but it was a secret. So I want to talk to you about that today, that secret that David had. And you'll notice here in Psalm 26, we're going to go through a bunch of Psalms here. In Psalm 26, verse 8, look with me here. Psalm 26, verse 8. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. So David's singing this to God, just like we were singing earlier, I love your presence. I love, David says, I love the habitation of your house. I love the place where your glory dwells. Now David probably is referring to like a physical dwelling where he would go, like the temple, or the, he didn't have a temple, but like a tabernacle, a tent where the ark was housed. He could go and actually go there and worship the Lord. But more likely, he wasn't necessarily talking about a physical location. And I'll show you that here in a second. But he was saying to God, I love, I love the place where your glory dwells. Another way to say this is say, I love your presence. See, David loved the presence of God. In fact, I would go so far as to say that David was obsessed with the presence of God. He wanted the presence of God in his life. He longed for it. He hungered and thirsted for it. And he set his life on a determined course to cultivate the presence of God in his life. 
And I'm going to show you that in the Psalms. He was all about the presence. And he sang a lot of songs about the presence of God because he was so obsessed with being in the presence of God. Why is it? I want to show you how did David cultivate the presence of God and why did he cultivate the presence of God. And it's really simple. David cultivated the presence of God by worshiping the Lord. And he did it because he knew the benefits. He had experienced the blessings, the joy, the peace in the presence of God. He had witnessed the power, the supernatural power of God when he would cultivate the presence of God in his life. And I want to show you that here. So turn with me to Psalm 27, just the next one. Psalm 27. And let's look at the love that David had for the presence of God. So David, he's, uh, he's telling the Lord in verse 3, just do verse 3, starting in verse 3. He says, Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this, I will be confident. We've talked about that. Why did David have so much confidence? That he's saying, he's declaring to God, even if an army surrounds me, I'm still going to be confident. That doesn't mean he didn't have emotions. There's actually a psalm where David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will not fear what can man do to me. Now, which is it, David? Are you afraid or are you not afraid? You've got to understand how faith works. He was feeling fear. But in the midst of feeling that fear and in the midst of seeing things around him that would cause him to be afraid, that would threaten his life, he made a different choice. Rather than speaking words of death and speaking words of fear, he said, Lord, I trust you. I'm confident that you're with me. And I will not fear. He was declaring with his words how he, where his emotions would go. I will not fear. He wasn't lying. He was just making a declaration out of faith. And it's the same thing he's doing here. He's saying, Lord, I'm going to be confident. Did you, know, did you know that David actually had this happen more than once? He was in a city, and an army was going to surround him, and the people of the city were going to give him up, and he was able to escape. Saul, at one point, meant more than once, Saul chased him and had a whole army chasing one man, him and his like four or six hundred men, but a whole army chasing David, and at many times had surrounded him and came very, very close to capturing him. So this is not just like a song that he sang. And this isn't just a spiritual thing to make you feel good. This isn't like he's like, like if you and I were like, yes, Lord, if an army surrounded me, I'd still be confident. Like when's that going to really happen for most of us, right? David actually lived through these things. He actually trusted God in the midst of very difficult situations. And so he says, Lord, I'm still going to be confident. Where did he get that confidence? Listen to what he says. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I love that verse. I love it so much, it's painted on my office wall. David says, I've desired one thing. Remember I told you, he loved the presence of God. He loved the presence of God so much that he says, God, one thing I want in life. And this one thing I'm going to seek. What he's saying is, I want this one thing so much, it's so the desire of my heart that I'm going to make sure that I discipline and organize my life so that I make this the primary uh, preoccupation of my life, the primary priority. There's a lot of priorities that we have. David was a king, he was a leader, he was a husband, he was a father, he did lots of things. 
And he had a lot, and all those things that he did were a part of his calling. But he understood that my calling to be a worshiper was his number one calling. And he understood that the presence of God was the most important thing for him to cultivate. And he was obsessed with that. Oh, he loved being king, and he received lots of blessings for being king. He had a lot of, there was a lot of material blessings that he received. And he loved being a dad and a father and, and lots of wives. But so we won't follow him in that example, men. But <laughs> we don't follow him in everything he did. But uh, he had a lot of things going on in his life, but he says, I want one thing. One thing. Do you know when you have two things that you want, at some point they're going to be tested which one you want more, right? It's always which one you want more. Remember Jesus said you can either serve God or money? You can't serve both? See, sooner or later, it's gonna, you're going to find out what you want more. See, sooner or later, what was David's deepest desire is, was going to be tested. But David is saying, I love your presence, Lord. I want to be in your presence. That's what he says. I want to dwell in your house. I want to live in your house all the days of my life. I just want to be with you. Dwell means I want to move in. I want to live with you. I don't want to just like have a, you know, a little uh, traveling suitcase and come and visit you every once in a while. I want to live with you all the time. And he says, I want to gaze upon your beauty, which is something that you do in the presence of God. You just think about him and, and marvel at him. The word gaze literally means to just lovingly stare. It's, it's like the idea of two lovers gazing into each other's eyes. He's saying, I just want to stare at you, think about you all the time. I want to behold your beauty. I want to gaze upon you all the time. David's in love with God. He loves the Lord. He loves to be with God. And he's saying, I want to seek you in your temple. I want to seek you because it's, it's there. I want to know you. I want to, I want to know you more. And I want, I want to hear your voice. This is what David's saying is his one desire. Listen to why. Listen to why. So verse 5. This is the one thing I've desired because, or for, verse 5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Did you notice something there in verse 5? He tells you exactly why he loves the presence of God. And he tells you exactly why, even if an army surrounds him, he's not afraid. He says, because I found a secret place. See, there's a secret to David's life, and it's called the presence of God. He says it right there. He says, for in the time of trouble you will hide me in your pavilion, or he will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. You see that? In the secret place of his tabernacle. Is he talking about church? Is he talking about a temple? Is he talking about a physical place? No. That's why he uses the word secret place. A hidden place. A place that you don't see with your natural eyes and that you don't understand with your natural mind. He's saying, I know a place that you can't find through religious rituals, that you don't get just by going to church. It's not just about singing a song. It's not something you can see with your physical eyes. It's a secret place. 
Can you imagine we're all, like all, uh, uh, not all of us, but let's say there's a place, like a path that people hike on and, and go climbing and hiking and walking, like every day. Tons of people walking this path every day, maybe through the hills, through the mountains, every day. And, and every day they're walking there and they, they're, they're imagining the beauty and the, and, the, and the nature, creation all around them, the birds and the trees and everything. But every day they walk by a little path that goes off to the side that nobody can see from that path. Maybe it's hidden behind some rocks and it goes up behind the hill. And it takes you, that little path takes you into the heart of the mountain, takes you to the peak where you could overlook everything and it would be at this breathtaking, amazing scene that nobody knows it's there. See, David understood something about the presence of God. That's what he means about the secret place, that there's this path, that there's this way where you connect with God, where you encounter God, this place where you meet with God. It's not church, but you might find Him at church. It's not a physical location, although you could be in a physical location. And it's not a religious ritual, although He inhabits the praises of His people. It's why we worship. It's why we come to Him. It's why we gather together. It's why we spend time in His Word. But none of those things is what David's talking about. He's talking about what happens when you're there. Secret place. A face-to-face encounter with the presence of God. And many believers, they don't know. They're walking on the path, and they're marveling at God, and they're walking with God on the path, but God has a secret. There's this like little path off to the side that if you just looked around that rock, you would find. David knew how to access the secret place. And there's a reason why. Did you notice that he said, for in the time of trouble, you hide me there. It's like David knew that when I come into the secret place, when I worship the Lord and I encounter God and I'm in His presence, that secret place, in that secret place, God hides me from trouble. David didn't say trouble wasn't going to come. The Bible never promises that trouble won't come. In fact, the Bible promises us it will. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. How many? All of them. For the one who understands the secret place. See, David understood there's this army surrounding me. If you were to interview him, David, okay, so I was in battle with you. We were in battle together. And uh, like I saw this like arrow just like totally not hit you. Like how did that happen? How is it that you just didn't get hit? Oh, it's called the secret place. What? If you were to interview him, like okay, David, um, like you're one of his like mighty men. And so that army was completely surrounding us and we got through. How did that happen? Oh, it's called the secret place. See, we look at everything in the natural You look at your finances in the natural. And I'm not saying it's not a natural problem. It is a natural problem. You look at your relationship struggles in the natural. And I'm not saying it isn't also natural, but there's a spiritual source. There's something going on in the spirit realm. And there's a hiding place, a secret place, where the Bible says, right here, David says, he'll hide you in trouble. See, there's trouble that comes to us And I believe many believers, they don't know that there's a place you can hide in. That God would literally 
just like he did with David, tuck you in almost, tuck you in like the Bible says under the shadow of his wings. It's like almost like he just kind of covers you over. And the trouble's coming, the trouble's coming, and I don't know why that didn't hit me. I don't know why. I just totally got out of that. I got out of that financial crisis. I got out of that. See, I, I, see, I see with marriages. I was, the Lord was showing me something with marriages. I believe many of you, or maybe now or in the future, but I believe many struggles that people have in marriage, many conflicts, not to say they're not relational issues, that, you know, and I love counseling and I love all that. That's all good stuff. But I'm convinced that many problems believers would get a breakthrough in if the couples would worship together. I believe that, and I sense that from the Lord, I'm, I'm prophesying to you, that the Lord is show, was showing me, He's saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, I'm not saying don't go to counseling. I'm not saying don't get help. I'm not saying that. But oftentimes, we fight in the natural, in the flesh, in our own selfish flesh. When the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers that and against the forces of, of darkness in this world. And oftentimes, if couples would come together and worship and invite the presence of the Lord in their homes, they would find that breakthrough in their relationship. They would find that breakthrough in their marriage. Same thing in your finances. You're trying to figure it out with everything in you. How are you going to pay that bill? Get over that debt. But I'm telling you, the Lord is saying, come to me. Hide yourself away in the secret place in my presence, and this trouble will pass right over you. There's a reason why David never died in battle. There's a reason why the King Saul never got him. And it's not because he's lucky. It's because of this. He said, I understand something here. Now, David didn't worship God so he could get something from God. I'm not saying that. But David understood, man, when I worship God and I praise him, his presence comes and he hides me in this secret place and I'm safe there. So I'm staying there. This is a good place to be. Look with me in Psalm 16. Psalm 16. As you're turning there, I remember, um, I remember one time Michelle and I had this issue with the medical bills, specifically with some insurance company stuff. and It was a very complicated issue. It was very frustrating. Neither of us could figure out how to solve this issue. Calling, writing forms, rewriting forms, standing in line. I don't know. One time she went somewhere, waited in line for hours. And all this stuff was so frustrating. Trying to save some money with medical insurance. It was Emma's birth. And she, we'd finally, like she had finally said, look, you know, how about you handle it? And she could, I called them and I didn't, they didn't understand. I didn't understand. We were not getting a breakthrough. Right? That's bureaucracy for you. but And I remember going, going before the Lord. Do you notice that David said, one thing I've desired, dwell in your house, gaze on your beauty, and to inquire or seek you in your temple. It's in his presence that we hear his voice. David understood this. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of his mouth. And it's when you get into his presence that you get attuned to his presence and to his voice. David understood this. So I got in. I was just spending some time with the Lord like I always do. I was praying in the Spirit like I always do. And I've, I've, I told you, I really encourage worshiping the Lord, praying in the Spirit. This helps you to get attuned to His presence, like a tuning fork or 
tuning into the Lord's radio station. And as I'm worshiping the Lord, I bring this before God. And I say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm asking for your help, but what do I do? I ask Him that all the time on many things. And the Lord spoke to me. The Lord told me what to ask the people on the phone. I didn't know, and they didn't know either. So I pick up the phone, and I call them, and I start talking to them again. Kind of, You've got to go through the whole thing again. And then I say, now let me ask you a question. And I ask the question, and they go, hold on a sec. And they go talk to their supervisor. Oh, just fill this out and do this and blah, 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 and we're good to go. Done. Saved, saved us at least $1,000, right? I don't even remember. It was a lot of money. I joked, I joked with God. Oh, saved you money, God. I was messing around, you know? Because at first I was like, oh, God saved me money. I was like, oh, it's his money. Who, who saved who money? I have no idea. Okay, so <laughs> I just messing. But honestly, I heard the Lord. That's what happens when you get into the presence of God. He will hide you. He will protect you. He will speak to you. Okay, look at Psalm 16. I love this. Once again, David says, verse 5, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. See, David understood his covenant and all the promises and blessings of God, but he said more than anything else, he was telling God, you are my inheritance. You're what I want. What does that mean? Again, Lord, I'd rather be poor with you than rich without you. I'd rather be suffering with you than be comfortable without you. David knew what was most important. He would seek first the kingdom. Amen? And he said, man, you can take everything from me. You cannot take my God from me. I will worship God. I will trust him even if you try to take my life. And so this is what got tested in David, and David passed that test. He continued to worship the Lord in the midst of suffering, in the midst of things being taken from him. I've told you already, he lost everything. He went from being having money and popularity and position, lost everything when Saul was chasing him. And in the midst of that, he said, Lord, you're my inheritance. I love you. And I want one thing. I just want to be with you, Lord. And I know that that's where you're going to hide me. And so once again, he's singing another song. He does this a lot where he's telling God, you're my inheritance. Then he goes on and talks about what's going on in him. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Why did David love the presence of God? Because he had experienced these things in the presence of God. He had experienced the joy in his presence and pleasures in his presence. David had experienced peace in God's presence and literally a physical rest that came upon him in the presence of God. David understood, when I come and I worship the Lord and the presence of God is cultivated in my life, God hides me in that secret place. And in that secret place, I encounter joy. I encounter pleasures. I encounter physical rest and peace Who wouldn't want to stay there, right? Man, I like this place. I'm going to stay there. David experienced these things. Again, we don't worship the Lord to try to get that. But when you worship the living God, 
who loves you and delights in you and who created you for his own pleasure in a good way, not in a selfish way. God created you that you would know him and he would know you. You would enjoy him and he would enjoy you. Remember the Garden of Eden where God would walk with Adam and Eve and talk with them? His very presence would be in Eden before the fall. And what is Eden? What's the word Eden mean? Pleasure. Delight. That's what God wants for his people, amen? David got that. He understood it's not about a garden, a physical garden, it's not about a physical temple. He, he wants to be with me and I want to be with him. And so David would encounter the pleasures of God because you can't worship him without him coming and drawing near to you and you encountering his presence. We don't worship him so, oh, we can just feel good. See, if all you want to do is feel good, you won't worship him in the hard times. But when you want God more than anything else, and you honor Him, you will worship Him as a sacrifice of praise in the midst of the hard times. And I guarantee, not only will He hide you from trouble, but He'll come, He'll comfort, and He'll bring peace, and He'll bring joy. He says, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. My heart instructs me in the night seasons. Again, He's saying, when I, I, I cultivate the presence of God in my life, He gives me insight and understanding. He speaks to me. He talks about this peace. I remember when I was a, uh, before I was a Christian, I could never fall asleep. I'd stay up late and uh, try to fall asleep, and I couldn't fall asleep. My mind would be racing, 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 racing. And some of it would just be interesting, random thoughts, and, and others of it would be anxiety. You know, and much of my, even as a Christian, I struggled with, not necessarily uh, at night, but during the day, anxiety, you know? I remember a season of anxiety, actually, when we, uh, we were first married, and we bought a house, and I was anxious about providing, and being a husband, and having a house, and doing this, and doing that. I was anxious about ministry. I was a new youth pastor. I was anxious. I was afraid to fail. I mean, I just, this is, I'm just saying that's just generally who Dave Turner was. But I remember when I was a new believer, just, you know, 16 years old, and, and I didn't even know much of this stuff, but I would spend time with the Lord before I went to bed, and I'd spend time with the Lord in the morning. I'd worship a little bit, read my Bible, and I'll tell you, it didn't take very long, actually. As a new believer, ever since I came to the Lord at age 16, I don't remember ever having a hard time falling asleep, ever again. But just the presence of God brings such a peace. David in Psalm 4 says, I can go to sleep and not have to worry. In Psalm 4, he says, I just lay down and go to sleep in safety. He's being chased by Saul. It's not like he has an alarm system or something like that, you know? He's in a cave. He's being chased by and he goes, he says, I, I can just go to sleep. Can you imagine that being, again, his warriors? And you're going like, uh, David, how do, you, how do you just sleep? How, how is it that like we're being chased by this crazy guy, everything's messed up in your life, and you're singing songs and sleeping at night? You know, you should be like freaking out. You should be fixing this. You should be doing something about it. He's like, nah, God's got it covered. God is my refuge. God's going to keep me safe. And he would go to sleep, and he'd sleep deep. Why? Because it says right here that in his presence, verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices, my flesh also will rest in hope. Psalm 4, David says, no, I can go to sleep. And I remember that time where I would just feel that anxiety, like I was telling you about, and got that house and this new season of my life, and I would declare this before God. You, I have set the Lord always before me. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. See, David understood that when you get into the presence of God, it's not just like a momentary feeling of joy or peace, but literally the presence of God begins to rewire you, 
rewire the chemicals in your brain, rewire your emotional chemistry, and even heal your physical body. There is a tremendous amount of inner healing and emotional wholeness that happens in the presence of God as His perfect love drives out fear. And what happened is I began to stand on this promise and many other promises, and I began to do this. I began to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to gaze upon your beauty. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to set the Lord always before me. I'm just going to come before you, and, and I'm going to meditate on your love and, and do the stuff that we teach here. Man, I began to have the emotions of my life become settled, literally rooted and grounded in love. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. There's this rootedness. You know, like a tree that's being blown by the wind and, and all the leaves are gone. On the outside, it looks kind of barren, but those roots are deep. And notice that he doesn't just say peace and joy. Notice he uses the word pleasures. Pleasures. I've told many men, this is the key to purity. This is the key. We do a lot of other things as men, but I'll tell you, when you encounter God's presence and you feel the deep pleasures of God, what you were created for, to be loved, to be known, to be with Him. He created you for Himself. And He created you to be with Him. When you encounter that truth and that reality, you know who you are and you know why you were made. The pull of sin is broken. The pull of addictions is broken. I'm not saying you don't get tempted. But the pull is different. David experienced those pleasures. He experienced that peace. And he experienced that joy. And I'm saying I have as well. I could go on and on about the encounters that I've had with God. I've experienced things with the Lord that surpass anything I've ever experienced in life with anything else. And that doesn't mean that like having fun or laughing or something is bad. No, no, we're supposed to enjoy all of life. It's actually encountering God in His presence where we say, no, this is the best. That we then can go, oh, I can enjoy creation, I can enjoy my family, I can enjoy life. So it's, not, it's not like con contrast, you know, it's not some weird religious thing like we have to be like monks or something. But I will say, there is no greater pleasure, there is no greater joy, and there is no greater peace than being in the presence of God. That's what we were made for. And if, don't think of like when you have like little encounters with the Lord. A lot of times we, we kind of like, we'll have like a little encounter. Let's say like for two seconds, you're like, oh, that felt, oh, that's good times with Jesus, you know, or five minutes as we worship here, or you, maybe you're reading your Bible and you hear God just for a moment. You just say, oh, that was, oh, yes, God, you know. Uh, and uh, don't think that that's like a, supposed to be a momentary experience. No, it's supposed to be an eternal experience. What God's doing, so for example, let's say you feel for like one moment, you feel joy. Just joy. And you like feel lifted above your circumstance. That's not supposed to be a momentary thing. That's reality. He's giving you the key to unlock that room all day. He wants that one-time experience to translate into how you are all the time. But it takes time. And he's giving you, he's giving you seeds, he's giving you tools, he's giving you weapons, he's giving you these things. I remember uh, a season where I had been praying for more joy in my life and asking the Lord and standing on these, this Psalm 16 and, and uh, standing on promises like you will make me joyful in the house of prayer, just declaring that to the Lord. And I remember there was a, a, a period of time, about three months, where I began to, the Lord began to accelerate 
my breakthroughs. And so I'd be here in worship, and I would encounter the joy of God. I remember Val was singing one time. Uh, I can't remember what you were singing, but just like the presence of God hit me so hard, I began to feel this joy. And I knew that God was doing a breakthrough in me. And, then, and like it would happen like for like three months, I would have like, you know, I had like three or four major experiences with the Lord that were literally as if it was like a key unlocking something and bringing me into a new place. I was at a conference, and um, oftentimes it would happen here at church, but I was at a conference, and I was worshiping the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, why do you keep asking me for stuff as if you don't have it? It's like, like I, you're, my, you're my son, I'm your father. Like, you live in the house. Enjoy, just enjoy. Act like you have it. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to, like, we don't need to ask God still, or, you know, it's okay to say, Lord, give me more, give me more. But oftentimes my, Lord, yes, I want more of you, or Lord, I want this, or I want that, was from a stance of like, as if I'm a beggar, instead of a son. And the Lord was just, it, it wasn't, he doesn't just give breakthroughs by things he says to us. Sometimes he gives breakthroughs just by you encountering his presence. More happens when you don't have a clue what's going on, but you're encountering his presence than you realize. So I would encounter his presence, I would encounter his joy, and he would speak to me. And it was like breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. It just broke that anxiety it broke that in my in my in that that sorrow in my life, that seriousness, and began to release the joy of the Lord in me in a new way. There was a guy in our church, even I remember that was oh, having a really hard time sleeping. A man of God in our church and having a hard time sleeping and struggling with that kind of stuff, and it had to do with a lot of worry and depression going on in him because of some external circumstances and, and then internal stuff, right? And I remember he, we finally got him to OSL. And uh, I remember the first day after OSL began, he calls me, calls me like the next morning, crying, oh my gosh, you have encountered God. I mean, like, you know, like the first day that he just started OSL, it kind of got him back on track. This is kind of what one of the things OSL does. It got him back on track. He started spending time with the Lord, he's worshiping, and in that place of worship, God just met him. And little by little, over the next four weeks, it probably took about a week or two, I kept asking, you know, how are you doing? How are you sleeping? Little by little, he said, yeah, I'm, not having a, I'm not having a hard time sleeping. It happened as he cultivated the presence of God through praising the Lord out loud, just focusing on the Lord. As he cultivated the presence of God, he began to have that rest. And those lies that he was believing and those things that happened because the enemy's accusing us just began to fall off and began to rest. So what happens. This is what happens in the presence of God. <clears throat> turn with me to uh, turn with me to Psalm 63 Psalm 63 I remember one time I was uh, um, I was probably 17 I was going to the, one of the first churches I was at and um, I just remember in, the, in a time like what we were doing like in a time of worship this would happen probably this happened a lot when I was a new believer. I'd just start, like, weeping. I didn't even know why. I'll be honest. I, I know why in the present. My wife has, like, rarely seen me cry. I don't cry that much. It's not necessarily my personality. But when I get into the presence of God, there are times when he wants to do something in me, I just start crying. And I'll tell you why. It's because I feel the safest there. I know that. You're, you know, like, I've seen that, like, maybe a daughter holds it all in until she sees her mom, and then it, like, you know, I mean, I mean a daughter not of like just three, like my daughter. I mean like a daughter of like 30. You see your mom, and then once you see mom, it all just, 
you just you start crying. Why? Because you feel safe. You feel loved. You feel. And there's something that when I came to Jesus at age 16, I knew that He loved me and understood me. And there's just something where I can let I can let go. So in His presence, oftentimes He'll be doing something. I remember, like I said, 17. I'm in a worship time like this, and I just started crying. I have no idea why. Still to this day, weeping like crazy. I remember I was just sitting there in the chair, crying. I had my hands over my face. I was crying so much, the tears and the snots running up, up, like, you know, defying gravity. And, and uh, I had to, like, sneak out at the end of worship and clean myself up. And, and uh, I still, I don't know why. All I know is what happens. He's, the, he's called Wonderful Counselor. There's something he does just get in there and heal you. You don't even have to understand it. And, it, and, and it's not the only time that's happened to me, but in those times, as a new believer with a lot of hurts and a lot of brokenness, he would just come and he would meet me there. I would just cry, touch my heart. And things would be different. <clears throat> Psalm 63, David is in, is in a wilderness. This is when he's in the midst of his trials. And he says, in the midst of the wilderness, O God, Verse 1, you are my God, earnestly will I seek you, or early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary, to see your power and your glory, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Notice how David in verse 1 hungers and thirsts for the presence of God. He's in a wilderness. He literally is thirsty and hungry. He's in a cave. There is no water. Again, this is not like make-believe, right? He's thirsty, and he says, but I thirst for you. Once again, he's proving to us that what he wants more than anything else is God. And he believes that what he needs more than anything else is God. He's not complaining. He's telling God, there ain't no water around here, by the way. He cries out for, to God for help. He says, Lord, I need you. And so he says, Lord, I'm hungering and I'm thirsting for you. And notice he says, early will I seek you. The word can be translated early or earnest. It's the idea of diligence and consistency. That, that's, it's so important that we understand how uh, coming to God consistently, pressing into Him and seeking Him and not giving up, is so important to encountering God and cultivating His presence. You don't just like meet with God on the fly. Although, well, I, I don't mean to say it quite like that. Yes, you can. I, I encourage you worship in the car, worship in the shower. You know, re, listen to you. You can you can meet with God, but I'm saying there's times where you've just got to come and spend time with Him and give Him your full attention. Let me tell you that one of the reasons why many people don't encounter God is because they don't they're not fully present to Him. They're not fully present to Him. If you want to encounter His presence, He's always there. He wants to meet with you. But oftentimes we're not fully present to Him. I remember one time I was going on my way from teaching uh, early in the morning, going off to the office, get stuff done, and, and I, you know, I was tempted to just kind of get into my day. Got lots to do. I remember the Lord said to me, "I just want to be with you." And He told me, He said, "The greatest part of my day, my favorite part of my day, is when you tell me that you love me." 
What was he telling me? Was, I just want some face-to-face time. I want you to be fully present to me. You know, it's like our kids when we're distracted, they just grab our face and turn it to them. He wants us to be fully present. And I guarantee if you would be fully present to him, fully present, every thought, every desire, just totally focused on him, you would know, whoa, you're here. Now, I'm not talking about being ADD, you know, or like, or being ADD is bad or something like that. No, hey, if you got ADD, great. Give yourself fully to him. There are ways you can ask God, Lord, help me to focus on you. You know, there's ways. That's why we meditate the word and use the word as a template. Get up, move around, go on a hike. You don't have to, you know, be not ADD. Be ADD if you are. Who cares? I mean, I'm not even trying to label you. I just mean, you have a hard time focusing? Fine. Encounter him for a second. Squirrel. I love you, squirrel. You know, that's fine. Just get back. Just get back. All of us get distracted more than all of us know. All of us get distracted. It's okay. Some of us more than others. I remember meeting with a junior higher one time, teaching him math. I was his tutor. We would talk about the Lord a lot. And I asked him one time, do you think that I like sit in my room, like on my knees, with my hands folded, my eyes closed? Oh, Jesus, I love you. And he's like, yeah, I do. I, I think that. Because, you know, he, he knew that I loved the Lord and spent time with God. I was like, no, no, I don't do that. Let me show you how I pray. And I got up. I started pacing back and forth, yelling and shouting like I usually do. Many of you know, and people make fun of me, I know, but it's okay. I like who I am. And I just started showing him, Lord, I thank you that you love me, Lord. I just declare, and I just start like, I just start showing him how I pray. And he was like, that's cool. <laughs> because I'm t- I told him, I said, you, and I said, you don't have to be like me. You know, I wasn't trying to tell him that. I said, look, I get distracted. That's why I shout. That's why I sing. That's why I meditate the word. Because, and, and, and what I'm saying is, you don't have to not be ADD. When I say be fully present to the Lord, it's a desire thing. When you're in love with somebody, you think about them. You want to be with them, you know? And, you know, you, you make time for them. And there's those times where it's just you and them. And it's okay, you know, you go out to eat with your spouse, you know, Michelle and I are out to eat. You get distracted by something going on, that's all right. But if you don't really want to hear what they have to say, it won't matter, right? If you want to hear what they have to say, say, hey, you look them right in the eye, right? Face to face. I want to hear what you have to say. Tell me. Michelle and I, because we have three kids, nine times out of ten, she tells me something, I go, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Can you tell me, can you say that again? It doesn't matter if she's telling me we're out of milk or... You know, some deep desire of her heart. I, nine times out of ten, a million things are going on. I'm totally overwhelmed. You know, kids cry, screaming. And she tells me something, and I go, I'm sorry, but I want to know. Does it make sense? It's all right if you're distracted. She doesn't get offended. I don't get offended. We just say, hey, oh, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. I'm ready. And the Lord wants that face-to-face time with you. There are things he wants to do in you. There's things he wants to say to you. They're not going to happen just on the fly, just with a little bit of time here and there. <clears throat> seek him, hunger and thirst for him. And you know, the more you spend time with the Lord and you're in his word, what happens? You cultivate that hunger and thirst, don't you? You know, if you drink a lot of coffee, you start to like want that, right? And you ever notice people who drink a lot of coffee or drink wine? They develop a, a very, you know, palate. They develop a fine palate, right? There's something interesting about us human beings. If you eat something enough, it shapes your palate and your taste buds. 
If you think something is certain, if you spend your time a certain way, if, you're a, you spend, if you stay up really late, you'll become a night person. If you wake up early, you'll become more of a morning person. Now, now, now there's certain things that don't change about our personality, but there are certain things that we can adjust. We're creatures of habit. And there's something about when you cultivate through seeking, diligently seeking the presence of God, you begin to hunger and thirst for that. You cultivate a palate, a spiritual palate, where you say, mmm, mmm. I want God right now. I want God. Oh, I need to be with the Lord. Just like you wake up in the morning. I used to drink coffee. I've been, kind of, I've been kind of walking away from it now, and I don't really want it anymore. But, man, every morning I'd wake up, I need some coffee. I need to smell it. I need to taste it. You know, it wasn't even the taste. It's just something inside of you goes, coffee, you know? But that's how it should be with the Lord, amen? That you've been with the Lord so much, oh, I need the Word today. I need the Word I need, I need to be in his presence. That's what happens when, you're, when you spend time with him. And you notice what David says? My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Don't get mixed up by the metaphor. Marrow and fatness. He's talking about better than a Thanksgiving meal, Lord. Better than prime rib. He's using, it's a metaphor. Just like he's saying, Lord, I'm in a dry and weary land, but I thirst for you. You're the living water. You're the one who's going to satisfy me. He's saying the same thing with this. He's saying, Lord, more than, oh. When I meet with you, I'm so satisfied. He's cultivated a hunger and a desire for the Lord. And what is it that he's encountering in God's presence? I want to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. David, in the presence of God, has experienced this pleasure that I was talking about earlier because God loves him. David knows and David feels the love of God. So much that David says, your love is better than life. Your love is better than life. Better than anything I've ever experienced, better than any other pleasure, better than anything else. I'd rather have you than anything else. See, this is why David cultivated the presence of God in his life. This is why he worshipped, because he loved God more than anything else. This is why he would seek God and spend time with God, because he loved the presence of God. And he loved the presence of God, one, because he loved God himself. That's number one. But he also knew the benefits He'd experienced the pleasures and the joy and the peace. He'd experienced the power of God, the supernatural provision, the supernatural protection that happens in the presence of God. And I want to encourage you as we, uh, as we wrap up this morning that David said, God inhabits the praise of his people. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5. Just listen to this. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every day, all day, just giving Him thanks, making melody to the Lord, singing to Him. And you know what this passage, this verse right here, you know what the next one is? Submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord, and it goes in and talks about marriage. We cultivate the presence of the Lord. What would it change in our relationships? What would it change in our communities? What would it change in our finances? God's presence can bring a supernatural transformation to things that you're going through and things that are going on inside of you. And so I want to encourage you to praise Him and to thank Him and to cultivate the presence of God through worship. And simply, the Bible says this, you will seek Him and you will find Him. And you search for him all of your heart. Amen? Let's stand up and let's respond to the Lord. Jamie and worship team, come on up.